is our last Sunday service together in the year of 2018. This is great. I'm so happy to see you guys. My daughter said something uh, really, really powerful <laughs> a few months ago that's been sort of reverberating in my mind. I had my son, David, who's like five years old, and he was like, hey, can you pick me up? And I was like, yeah, you know, like, I'm old enough to know. I have five kids. I'm old enough to know that those are treasures, right? Like, you know, when your kids, you know, I have one kid who's 26. I wish I could pick him up and just, and he's 26. And so, and I got five and all that. But, but the thing was, is that I picked, I picked him up, and my daughter said, my daughter said, you know, you know, David, Bobby's going to one day pick you up and put you down, and he's never going to pick you up again. I never thought about that in my life. Like, that thought never entered my mind. You know, like, that's true. Like, with every one of my kids, there was a moment where we picked them up, and we put them down, and we never pick them up again. Our lives are so precious, and there are seasons of life that end that we don't even recognize. That, that we don't realize, oh, wow, there was a moment where I picked, let's say, Lydia. I picked her up, and, I put, and then that phase of her life of me picking her up was over. You know, there are phases to our lives. And that's true with really beautiful and wonderful things like picking kids up and sending them off. Like my daughter, yesterday, she just got accepted to uh, SUNY Maritime, right? Am I saying that right? SUNY Maritime? She just got accepted to SUNY Maritime. She's going to be like the captain of a ship, right? Like she's going to like learn um, how to do all that stuff. And I told my, again, I told David, and he started to cry. And he said, no, 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 I want her here. And I was like, oh, but she'll come in the weekends. But he was like, yeah, but I want her. In other words, there was a season that had passed. And he was sensitive enough to pick up that that season had passed. Beloved, that's true about all of us. We have seasons of life that if we don't watch out for, they pass us by. Life is like that. I've sat next to enough deathbeds to know the deep regret that's found with seasons of life that weren't paid attention to. And so today I want to talk about, I want to talk about a season of life that perhaps has ended, that you haven't recognized has ended. This one is not a positive one like hugging kids or going, sending kids off to college. But I want us to recognize that there are seasons of life that we're still living in that we no longer, they're no longer true for us. Seasons of life that we're still living in, but that we don't have to live in. That we're still dominated by, but that we don't have to because life has changed. For some of us, that's really clear, right? Some of us, we, 
we used drugs, right? We drank alcohol. And now we're sober. And yet we're still behaving in ways that are congruent with that old season. But we're not in that season anymore. That season has changed, but we're still in it. There are others of us who have, there are seasons in which we relive and relive, but that are no longer ours. Today we want to talk about that. Because our hope has never been, you know how like, you'll hear this a lot. I used to do this all the time. Oh my gosh, I, the older I get, the more embarrassed I get about the stuff that I've done in the past and the stuff that I've preached in the past. But I would come up here, and you guys have been around me long enough, get, you know, 2000 and whatever, 15. That's our year. <laughs> 2015. As if our hope was in the future. Our hope is not in 2019. Our hope is in Jesus. And if there were things that I did in 2018 that made me uncomfortable or painful, then the point isn't to look for 2019. The point is to look to Jesus to address the fact that I'm living in a time, in a season that I no longer should be living in. So we're going to look. We're going to look to a book that I know you wanted me to open up. As soon as you came to church, you were like, when is Edwin going to preach on the book of Deuteronomy? I know you guys came in here saying that. He was like, please, I need the book of Deuteronomy. Absolutely. So we're going to go to the book of Deuteronomy. We're literally going to go just before Moses dies. It's the last sermon. And I think it's appropriate because this is my last sermon of 2018. And who knows? Maybe this is my last sermon. We don't know what tomorrow will bring. But if it is, I want you to know some things. I want you to know some things. Now, let me set this up. Deuteronomy is a book of sermons. It's a book of preachings. Moses, after having been with his people for a period of time, like a really long time, like bringing them through captivity after he's gotten them out of that captivity, 40 years. Now, I've been serving in this community for about 18 years. Moses, 40 years. 40 years, and then what he does in the book of Deuteronomy is he wants to reinforce what they've learned. He wants them to make sure that they got the lessons. Because it's possible to live 40 years and not get the lessons. Can I get a night man? Yeah, that's exactly right. Some of us have lived 40 or even 50 years and haven't gotten the lessons. And so Moses wants to make sure that we get the lessons. That the lessons that God is teaching us in the time of desert, in the time of scarcity, in the time of difficulty, in the time of teaching, that we get those lessons. So Moses gives a series of sermons that we call Deuteronomy. And he goes over and over and over. Now this is the very last of the last sermon. After this, Moses will, interestingly enough, get up, walk to a mountain, and die. Like, never to be picked up again. Right? 
And so he says as his final words what we're about to read right now. And I want you to start asking yourself, what do I need to know from God? What does Jesus need to speak to me? What do I have to learn in order for God to be glorified in my life this day? Not so that I give up the cigarettes in 2019 or give up, the, you know, lose the 15 pounds in 2019 or, you know, this is, the, this is the year of my prosperity. No, 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 no. This is the year of our repentance. This is the moment of being broken before Jesus and saying, Jesus, there are things that I rely on from old seasons. Some of us can't stop lying because we're stuck in an old season. Some of us can't stop relapsing because we're stuck in an old season. We think that the only way to get by in life is to do those old things. Let's walk in the gospel. And we'll find the gospel in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 11 through 20. For those of you who can, um, would you stand at the reading of God's word? If you can't, it's fine. Moses gives his, Moses gives his preaching... And this is what his last words are, or basically the last part of his sermon. Deuteronomy 30, 11 through 20 says, Now what I'm commanding you today is not too difficult for you to, or beyond your reach. It is not up in heaven so that you have to ask, who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it? Nor is it beyond the sea, so that you have to ask, who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us, so that we may obey it? No. The word is very near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart, so that you may obey it. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction, for I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess it. But if your heart turns away, and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You'll not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and cursings. Now choose life so that you and your children may live, and that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life 
and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your father Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is the word of the Lord. Please have a seat. After 40 years of ministering to the same people, 40 years, most of them dead, Moses tells them, hey guys, don't forget this last thing. Here's this one thing, don't forget. Now, what you need to know is that the, the people of Israel, they were Pharaoh people. Pharaoh people. They were people who were, had a Lord over their lives that dictated what they did, how they reacted, how they responded to their families, what they did with their time, how they spent their resources. They were Pharaoh people. And Pharaoh people are busy people. Pharaoh people are making bricks and collecting straw. Pharaoh people are doing the work of their Lord to make sure that their Lord is very well represented. Pharaoh people live under the weight of their Lord, never getting a rest, never taking a break, never. They are always, constantly, ever working for their Lord. They were Pharaoh people and they liked it. They were in bondage. They were caught up in the, in the, under the thumb of this Pharaoh and they loved it. We see it over and over and over within the Exodus. We see it in several um, places in uh, uh, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, where they go back to Moses and they literally say, now think about this, God is doing the menu. God is feeding them daily. And they would go back to God and they would say, God, or rather Moses, and they would say, why did you bring us here? Why did you bring us out here to eat this, and they, they would call it manna. Why did you bring us here to eat this manna? This is ridiculous. We had so much good food when we were Pharaoh people. When we were Pharaoh people, it was so much better. We had, we had good food. And then they found that there wasn't enough water. They said, no, 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 there's not enough water. You know what? Our, our thirst, when we were Pharaoh people, our thirst was satisfied. The things that we longed for, we got. We had it so much better when we were Pharaoh people. But God, God breaks into their history. He breaks into their lives and he says, no longer will you be Pharaoh people. Now you will be people of the Lord. You are Lord people. But they can't help but go back to want Pharaoh life. They can't help but want Pharaoh living. Give me one more brick. Give me more straw. Give me the whip on my back. Give me the pressure. No, they don't say that. They say, give me the leeks. Give me the food. Give me the water. They remember that. 
because they're Pharaoh people. And now they've been taken out of, they've been taken out of Pharaoh and they've become the Lord's people, but they're still acting like Pharaoh people. You know, I see that all the time in our congregation. All the time. I mean, I see it all the time. People, you've been clean three months. And you go, and then some stress or difficulty comes into your life. And you go, God, this is so painful. Oh, wait, wait, I forgot. I'm a Pharaoh guy. I want to go back to my bondage. I'll take my alcohol. I'll take my, I'll take my whatever it was I was using because I'm Pharaoh people. Or this is, oh my gosh, I have these longings, this thirst that's in me. Oh wait, I don't need Jesus. I got a computer. And I'm, I, I forgot, I forgot, I forgot. I'm a Pharaoh person. Excuse me. Click, 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 click. I, ah, that's right. I'm a Pharaoh guy. I see it over and over in our congregation. It breaks my heart. You know when it breaks my heart the most? When I see it in me. When I see my heart, when the Lord is leading me towards resting in him and trusting him, depending on him, and I go, no, 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 no. I like my old, old Lord. It's the way of destruction. It's the way of destruction. And we flippantly say things like this. We go, don't worry, God will forgive me. That's not the point. The point is, you're acting like a Pharaoh person. The point is that you've gone to a Lord that is robbing you of life, not giving you life. The point is, is that for your exodus, it cost more than a parting of the Red Sea, but parting of the Savior's hands so that nails could be driven into it, so that you might be set free. You're going back to Pharaoh living. So Moses goes, hey man, after he's preached this incredible sermon, he says, now, what I'm commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It's not up in the heavens so that you have to ask who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it so that, uh, to, to us so we may obey it. Nor is it beyond the sea so that you have to ask who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it. No, no, no. The word is very near you. Very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart, so that you may obey it. Now, here's the key. Paul, in the New Testament, quotes this very verse. In Romans chapter 10, Paul goes, hey, 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 Jesus is the one who has satisfied the requirements of God, because none of us can do what God is asking us to do. Today, after today's sermon, here's what's going to happen. Those of you who've been struggling with relapse, you know, the ones, you know, those of you who lie about your clean time? Yeah, you guys. Yeah, yeah. You're going to go, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go, I'm going to turn over a new leaf. Right? You know, those of you 
who are struggling with pornography. But, you know, you erase cookies and so that the wife doesn't find out and you, right? You know, you know. You have that little screen on your phone so that nobody could look from either side so that only you and the direct thing, you know. You know who you are. You're going to say things like this. You're going to say, you're going to say, I see the light. I'm no longer going to be a Pharaoh person. I'm going to change my heart. And before 2019 is two weeks old, you will be back to your Pharaoh living. Why? Why? It's because you're not getting what Moses is saying here. Now, what Moses says is predicated on this truth that's found in just a few verses before, but it was too much to read altogether. It's in verse 6. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 6. He says this. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 6, he says, The Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants. So that, why? Why does the Lord God have to circumcise our hearts? Because we can't change our hearts. Have you, anybody here, who here has decided to do the right thing? Go ahead, just go ahead and say, who here has ever decided to do the right thing? Right, there's like four of you, right? Yeah, all right. Boy, this, we, need a, we, we have a lot of trouble in this church if there's only four of us. Okay, there's four of us, great. All right, out of the four of you, who here has ever decided to do the right thing and then did not do the right thing? Go ahead and raise your hand. Nice. Yeah, yeah, there's a few of us, right? Yeah, 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 one, one or two, right? One or two. I'm telling you, I'm like this. Just the other day, I was, I was with my family. I was with my family. We did this, like, uh, wonderful, like, day-long trip. We went to uh, this sandwich spot, an ice cream shop, and then, and then I said, that's it. I'm not going to eat for the rest of the day because it was really, really, really super bad. Really, really super bad. When I tell you that, it was like I took grease and I mainlined it into like, it was bad. Like I had the spoon, I cooked it. It was terrible. It was terrible. It was grease. And so I, I had that. And then I said, you know what? And then the girls, but and then the girls, I forgot who it was. I think it was Lydia. She's a, she goes like this. Oh, there's a Krispy Kreme just a few miles away. Did you say Krispy Kreme? Because as far as I know, that is the anointed donut. That is what God was feeding people in the desert. He was raining Krispy Kremes everywhere. And so I said, all right, I'll take you guys, but I ain't going to have any. And so I drove. And naturally, I had to go to the bathroom. And when we got there, the only bathroom to go to was Krispy Kremes. I just got to the bathroom in Krispy Kremes. And oh, by providential way, the light came on. And I smelled those wonderful, delightful donuts. And I said, well, I'll only have a bite. You know, I ain't even going to tell you how many donuts I had. Bad, bad, mainline. It's terrible. I'm still high on that sugar right now talking to you. Somebody's going to have to take a, you know, it's, it's bad. I need, uh, somebody's going to have to give me a urinalysis because it's really bad. And so, but here's my point. My point is, is that I don't have the willpower to be good all the time. Now, I'm fairly good with my diet, honestly. I run, I jog, I eat healthy, I 
you know, I do all these different things, but not every time, right? For that, for that, I need somebody to change my affection. For that, I need somebody to change my loves. For that, I need somebody to transform what I delight in. And that person is not me. But the Bible says, the Lord God will circumcise your hearts. The Lord, the Lord your God will do the work necessary in your hearts so that you could be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The Lord God will take the taste of alcohol out of your mouth. The Lord God, but watch this. Watch this. Let's take that example for one second. The Lord God, you're going to take the taste of alcohol out of my mouth. But I still long for alcohol. Well, this is where the gospel comes in. Well, God, I still long for alcohol. But I know that you will circumcise my heart. You will take the taste of alcohol out of my heart. And so by faith, I trust that it will happen. By faith, I don't feel it now. Right now, I just want the alcohol. Right now, I just want the Krispy Kreme donut, whatever your Krispy Kreme donut is, right? Right? Right now, that's what I want. But by faith, I trust that you will take that taste out of my mouth. Let me ask you something. And let's just, this is just for the testimony of God's glory. Has anybody here ever had the taste of any kind of drug that you felt like you could not say no to? And then God by his grace, and you, you don't even know the day that he took it from you. Has anybody, is that anybody's testimony that he just took that out of your, anybody? Yeah, just a few of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. Where there was, uh, we were driven by a powerful drive, longing and desiring only the desires of our heart, which was for destruction and Pharaoh living. And then God so, just took it right out of our hearts. We never thought it could be possible, but God did it. Why? Because the Lord has taken you from Pharaoh living to living in the Lord. He goes on. The Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants. Isn't that good news? As God transforms your heart, he transforms. I, I just love that. I love that. He transforms our hearts and then he'll transform the hearts of the children that we raise those that we lead up. So that you may love, for what purpose? So you may love them. With all your heart, not with a partial heart, not with a, not with a, a heart that's out for a little bit of God and a little bit of sin. With all your heart, soul, and life. And live. And then he goes, on to say in verse, jump down to verse 17. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them. In other words, if you want to go back to Egypt, if you want to go back to Pharaoh living, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. Pause. He go, Pastor, but you said this is the work of God. Yes, it is the work of God. Then why is it that if I go back to them, that I'll be destroyed. If this is the work of God, won't he work that? Of course, listen to me. Listen to me. Because it's the work of God, God wants to warn you about certain things. 
For instance, when I tell my children, don't do that. If you do that, this will harm you. Don't date that guy. That guy will break your heart. Don't eat those foods. That food will do damage to your body. Don't pursue that friend. That friend will lead you down the wrong path. When I say lead you down the wrong path, break your heart, destroy your body, I'm not, I'm not saying something that's untrue. I'm not even saying something that I'm going to make happen. I am saying something that I can see is going to be a reality. When you forsake the Lord and move back to Pharaoh living, there is pain in that. There's suffering in that. Just recently, a mother uh, was speaking to me on the phone and her beautiful, beautiful child who she had prayed for for years and years and years, he finally got clean and was clean for a period of time and after a period of time, relapsed. And so she wanted me to pray for her child. And of course, I pray the prayer that I always pray when that happens. I'd say, God, Make this the most miserable time that this person has ever had. Let every evil thing that this person is pursuing fall on their head. Let the destruction of their hands go down to their soul. Let the pain be so great that they run back to you. Because, because the last thing you want is someone to have an easy time after a relapse. Watch this. Why? Because it'll destroy them. So then why would God say, hey, if you go in this direction, you'll be destroyed? Why? Because he hates us? Because he, he wants to give it to us? Finally, we're getting the belt? No, but because he wants to bring us to himself. He wants to bring us to himself. See, the gift of salvation, listen to me, the gift of salvation is not created by your moral goodness. Do you got that? You don't create the gift of salvation by your moral goodness. Your moral goodness seems simply unwraps the gift that is already yours. Do you see the difference? You didn't get that. Okay, let me try it one again. Okay, so when you have the gift of salvation and you live in Christ, you get to enjoy the benefits that are in your salvation. You get to enjoy the gifts of walking in Christ, the intimacy, the joy, the steadfastness. You get to enjoy that in Christ. You don't, un you don't get the gift. You don't create the gift by your good works. You unwrap it because it's already given to you. And just like that, on the opposite side, you leave the gift unwrapped. You leave the gift unwrapped when you receive the gift of salvation but that you don't walk in Christ. It's crazy. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Isn't this brilliant? Moses goes, listen to, listen, here's the test. Here's the test. Are you ready? Life and death. It's a two-part test. Life and death, blessing and cursing. Then he makes the test easy by saying, choose life. 
Why would you go back to that X? It's death, not life. It's cursing, not blessing. Why would you choose to go back to that corner? It's death, not life. It's curses, not blessing. Why would you choose to go back to that bitterness? It's death, not life. It's curses, not blessing. Why would you choose to go back to that way of responding to your spouse? It's death, not life. It's curses, not blessing. Don't you see? Every day, every moment of the day, this test is presented before you. Look, life, death, blessing, curses. Which one? Which one? Which one? Oh, curses? In Spanish, we have a phrase for that. Ayatu? Ayatu? I, do you? He says, now choose life. Why? So that your children may live. And I'm going to stop right there. Ugh, no, I'm not. And so that your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice. Hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life. Not Pharaoh living. Not bitterness. Not self-centeredness. The Lord is your life. Not your selfish desires. Not your sexual bents. The Lord is your life. And he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Okay, that's... So here's... I, I just need to apply this to our lives. Recovery House of Worship. We... We have been for a very long time, um, a hospital for the sick. And we will continue to be a hospital for the sick. You're banged up, you're broken, you need some mending, Recovery House of Worship is for you. If you're, if you're like that, you're like me. I'm banged up, I'm messed up. I need the help that I can. But listen to me, listen to me. Recovery House of Worship is not only, is not only, a hospital for the hurting. It's a war room for generals. It's a war room for generals. And so I want you to listen to me. We are no longer going to live in this self-centered world where we're just trying to figure out, am I going to do my sin? Am I not going to do my sin? Am I going to go Pharaoh's way or am I going to go the Lord's way? No, 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 no. Because there's more than just you that depends on us receiving and, and, and enjoying the gospel. It goes beyond just you. It goes to your family. It goes to your friends. We think of those in our lives who would benefit so greatly from the gospel if we just simply started to walk in Christ. You go, ah, but I'm just going to relapse. I'm just going to relapse. Listen, listen, beloved. Listen to me. More than you is at stake in that relapse. Oh, I'm just going to get a divorce. This, this, this marriage is too painful. More than you is at stake with that divorce paper. Don't you see? We're called for more than this. 
We're called for more than just being stuck in one spot every year looking exactly the same as the last, struggling with the same thing over and over and over, thinking that life will get better if we just keep on doing the exact same thing. It's madness. I remember this happened in the, it actually happened 18, uh, 19 years ago. It was uh, the year 2000. It was the very first day, January 1st, 2000, and the world didn't explode. And I was like, wow, I'm kind of grateful. And so, you know, you remember how crazy people got, right? Yeah, you know, the Mayans weren't right. And so it's fine. And so I opened up my journal, which I had been writing in for a few years up, and, up until that point. I opened up the journal and I started to write, and I was depressed at that time. I was depressed. I was so low. And so I started to write about how I felt, and I wrote about a paragraph, and somebody distracted me or said something, and I just, you know, I just put the notebook down, and I responded, or something like that happened. And then I went back to the notebook, and, and the page in the notebook landed on a date five years before. It was identical to what I was writing. You literally, you literally could have put both pages on top of each other, and with the exception of maybe two or three words, it was exactly the same. Like if you had a light table and you put both in front of you, with the exception of just a few words, it was exactly the same. I was living a script. I was living a narrative for years. Walking in Pharaoh, living under the lordship of the prince of Egypt, rather than walking under the lordship of Christ. And my fear is, is that's exactly what you're doing with your marriage. That's exactly what you're doing with your parenting. That's exactly what you're doing with your clean time. That's exactly what you're doing with your recovery. That's exactly what you're doing with raising your children. It's exactly what you're doing. Beloved, what would it look like? If we said, no, every thought is suspect. We're going to leave, we're, gonna, we're going to submit every thought, or as the Bible says, take every thought captive into, the, into Christ and have him address every thought and every issue. What would happen? Let me tell you what would happen. Your life would change. Your life would be transformed. And when it happens, like when your heart turns away, like Moses tells us your heart will turn away, for sure, you'll have a resource within the gospel to come back to him and not to live in the shame of it all because there was someone who died for you. You see, the gospel is not about good people becoming better or bad people becoming good. The gospel is about dead people becoming alive. Hearts that were uncircumcised, becoming circumcised by the only one who can do it. And if that's true, if that's true, we have in Christ everything that we need to overcome all sorts of pain, all sorts of temptation, all sorts of difficulty. So now, my question to you is this. What are you going to do? Are you going to go back to Pharaoh thinking, is that the, yeah, you're going to do your marriage that way again? Yeah? Yeah? That's how you're going to raise your kids? Yeah? Just like that? Yeah? Oh, really? You're going to keep lying about your clean time? Yeah? 
Or, here's a thought. Going, God, I'm absolutely lost. I have nothing in me that can possibly, can possibly change me. Lord, would you do the work of transformation in my heart? Would you do the work that only Jesus can do in my heart? And listen to me. Like, like Moses says in Deuteronomy, and like Paul says in Romans 10, it's not far. It's not far. It's not all the way to heaven so that you could have to bring God down. You know why? Because God already came down. And it's not in the depths so that you have to bring God up. You know why? Because God already rose from the depths. Died on the cross, went into the grave, rose from the grave for our salvation. You see, you don't have to do that because God has already done that for you. Now, unwrap the gift that has been given to you. Run to Jesus. Rest in Jesus. Turn to Jesus. Rely on Jesus. Ask him, God, how does the gospel, this guy just yelled at me, how does the gospel play a part in my life? Oh, wait, my reputation doesn't lie in what other people think about me when people yell at me. My reputation lies in what you have done for me so I don't have to respond negatively. God, how should I respond when my spouse is disrespectful? Oh, wait, my joy is not found in the eyes of my spouse, but my joy is found in the eyes of my spouse in heaven who has loved me and gave his life for me. See, you see how the gospel infiltrates every area of life. Oh, how should I respond? They're threatening uh, uh, pink slips at work. They're threatening to fire different people. I'm so nervous. I'm so unsure because I don't know what's going to happen next. God, my security does not lie in holding down this job or being in this union. My security is found in Christ who not only died for me, but gave himself to me so that he might provide for me in all things. In every area of life, the gospel addresses every hurt, every temptation, every issue, every joy, every satisfaction. So don't get stuck with just trying to not use or just trying to not act out or just trying to not smoke. You're living in small living. You're living in Pharaoh world. I want you to turn to Christ and go, Christ, what you have for me is you. And that is a delight of my life. Would you transform me? And would you make me into the kind of person who loves Jesus and rests in Jesus for all things? That's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for you.